0: Welcome to episode eight of "Do You Hear the Students Learn?" This is part two of "I Really Need All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten." I'm Dr. Fozia. I'm Mr. Q. Let's chat.
1: Let's chat.
0: <clears throat> okay, so um, last episode we were talking about how social emotional learning is really the key to learning in schools, um, and that learning cannot proceed or it's hard for any learning to occur unless you have a healthy social emotional um, status among the students. Um, So if we want to quickly go over what we're talking about, Mr. Q, you mentioned this Archibald experiments.
1: Well, it's an activity, and so last time we had discussed how I used it to... Effectively start the conversation on what teamwork is, start the conversation on how um, we don't really understand how to deal with each other as human beings, and we don't really teach these things. Um, I think when we left off last episode, <clears throat> we had spent a long time talking, pointing out all the flaws of of how students do not know how to proceed. They don't understand the concept of a friend. They don't know what they should be doing. A lot of them spend so much of their time indulging in the drama of relationships but not even understanding how to proceed forward with it. They just follow the same trappings everyone does Mm -hmm. when they're starting to have relationships whether it's a friendship level on a professional level Mm -hmm. whether it's a boyfriend girlfriend they just don't seem to have any concept Mm -hmm. of um, well not that they don't have any concept but they don't have the experience and know how there's no wisdom behind it they're just making the same mistakes over over and over.
0: Yes. And um <clears throat> and today, we, what we want to uh, stress on is uh, how it is sometimes uh, possible to do this in school. Actually, um, I want to go over a program that I have developed called PAYD, or Proactive Youth Development. Um, this is an, uh, an answer to what I saw was wrong with society. Uh, so some of you might know already that my background is a psychiatrist before I went into education, and um, during before during and after my career as a psychiatrist, I would get a lot of questions from friends or relatives or relatives of friends or friends or relatives about their problems. The minute they knew I was in psychiatry, <coughs> they would come up with all their problems and questions. Some of them ended in divorce, some did not. Um, but what I saw was that there was a lot of marital discord, um, among the general population and also a lot of people who did not know how to deal with, um, uh, relationships on the job, whether it's with your superiors, your inferiors, or your coworkers. Um, and I mean it, uh, I mean it, uh, in, in every sense of the word. For example, in Saudi Arabia, most people have maids and drivers. So it's an employer-employee situation, and many of them did not even know how to deal wow. with that. Um, we often uh, lapse into what we see around us or how we were brought up, which means, and when we behave, we very, we very rarely start thinking, how am I supposed to behave? We just react. It's a knee-jerk reaction. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, around that time, uh, when I was uh, still in Saudi Arabia, I um, tried to implement a new program. I tried it in, in school, but it didn't work because the the, the, the the headmistress did not see my point. And she was, I was tried explaining to her that there were a lot of things wrong and how a, such a program could help students be prepared for life. And she said, oh, and you know best, right? I'm thinking... <laughs> i didn't want to say yeah well to be uh, fair because
1: uh, <laughs> a lot of this is hinging on a lot of our our, our conversation and ep- our episode is hinging on the fact that we know what we're talking about so <clears throat> i think it is useful that it's a very excellent point that you bring up because people do raise an eyebrow there's still people who will sit there and question whether or not somebody knows the quote-unquote um answer. moral yeah. yeah the answer because Um, I had, for example, in college, a a friend who would regularly advise 40, 50-year-olds, and we're in college, so we're barely 20 ourselves, Mm -hmm. but he would would regularly advise married couples on how to be married. Mm -hmm. And I'd be sitting there going, and what experience are you speaking from? Mm
0: -hmm. And let's face it, I mean, most psychologists, uh, therapists, uh, priests, uh, whatever, I mean... What the, the, the biggest uh, advantage we have is to lend a listening ear, okay? And that's why we, I, I am amazed at this new profession called uh, life coach. And some of these people themselves, their lives are not exactly um, successful um, or stable, yet they are able to be a life coach for other people.
1: Right. Yeah. But in defense of those life coaches which is where we're at, because effectively the PAYD system or any kind of moral or ethical or social economics or social emotional system, people will wonder because we come from a perspective that might be limited. So how can we possibly give advice to other people? And I think this is the same thing. In defense of those life coaches, even though I'm sitting here, we're able to openly criticize people who are like, oh, 20 years old, advising six years old, or how would you possibly know? The thing is <clears throat> a coach doesn't necessarily have to be good if you're pointing at their life going well their life's no good. Yes, but consequences in the real world are not necessarily denoting of their actual advice. If their advice is good, it doesn't matter whether their personal lives are good or not. It's the same as in a debate. You can you can sure, do an sure. ad hominem where you attack the person and say, "Well, what about you?" This this has no bearing on their actual advice. Right, right. So, anything that we say here is in goodwill. We're thinking about um, the mm-hmm. historical context, the massive amounts of um, inherited values and moral systems that we've collected through our cultures and our you know, combined things. You have it from learning from growing up in France and Jordan. And These are things that you've observed and combined.
0: Precisely. And I think <coughs> that uh, the reason maybe why I had a unique perspective is A, because of my travels and comparing the, the systems of values... From all over the world, plus uh, my unique position as a both an educator, a mother, and a psychiatrist. Okay, all right. So, um, So what I did, yeah. So, what I did. At least
1: for for myself, then I would just like to put in a disclaimer that this is simply a method. I am not claiming that anything we say onwards from here is that is the definitive method. I fully recognize that every child, every culture, every city, every school has particular needs that may not work with whatever we're about to say. But it has worked with wherever we've been. So mm-hmm. what we're about to continue on with all these stories and examples, these are things that have worked.
0: Exactly. So um, the system that I'm talking about, P-A-Y-D, I have implemented it in three different schools. And we have, in front of our eyes, seen... Um, Actual changes, not on an individual level only, but on a school level as well, mm-hmm. and also, um, uh, this is going outside the topic. But once the children change in their behavior, you see a change also in the teachers' behavior and in the parents' behavior. So, in oh, other that's, words, this is
1: not outside the scope. This is totally part of it. Social exactly. emotional learning is all about changing the culture around you. The environment needs to be affected by what it is. If you throw a tantrum, everyone in the room now has a dampened spirit or is getting annoyed. Exactly, exactly.
0: I was talking yesterday to somebody about how, when I was young, I used to hate the fact that my my, my father brought his anger home. If he had something wrong going on at work, Um, he would come home I don't want to say throw a tantrum, but pretty much that's what it was, right? He would the come adult in. He was, yeah, he was a stormy cloud and nobody dared speak. And dinner was a very gloomy affair. And I would be so angry thinking, if you're angry with your boss or your coworkers, take it out on them while you're taking it out on us, right? right. <clears throat> Yet, what happened a few years later, I noticed that I was doing the same. I was taking my anger out on my little sisters, and I was unable to control. So it repeats itself unless you stop and think about it right. and you, do something about it.
1: You actually specifically it. taught me the trickle-down effect where if one person like dad comes home and is mad, then mom gets mad, and then mom gets mad, then the older child gets mad, the older child gets mad, the second child gets mad, and then yeah. it just trickles down, down until everybody, including the dog, is mad, so. Yeah, so everybody's <clears throat>
0: upset in the household, having, and, and then the, the, the perfect storm brews, and you might have something happening there, right? right. Um, <clears throat> um, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm set, again, drifting, because yesterday I had a session with my students where, I actually sat them down and spent time talking to them about being polite to each other. Mm-hmm. Because, and the reason I, I want to, to, to drift into this topic is because I think it is the root of a lot of problems. Politeness. Uh, no, the, the solution to a lot, I'm not the root, but it is the, the loss of politeness and manners is the root of many problems, mm-hmm. interpersonal relationship problems. Uh, when I went back to Taiwan, back in, um, let's say that was ninth grade, um, we had to study Confucius' writings, the Analects of Confucius. And um, one of the things that is stressed in Chinese uh, philosophy are a set of values. So, for example, he says, Li yi lian shi. So, li, the first one, actually means politeness or manners <clears throat> or forms, you know, rituals. And I was like, how is that important? And how is that one of the most important things? As a teenager, I wasn't buying any of it. And I was very rebellious. Hmm. And of course I argued a lot on this point because in France, I felt <clears throat> much more free of this kind of polite. I mean, I don't mean French, are not polite. Of course they are polite, but the Chinese are so much more so. Yeah, when there's you... a
1: certain level of decorum.
0: Exactly. If you meet an elder person, a person from an older generation, You have to slightly bow your head or your shoulders when you talk even. And you say hello and say goodbye, you know. And you don't just address them by their names. You have to call them auntie or uncle to show that they're older than you. And if they're two generations older, call them grandpa so-and-so, grandma so-and-so. And And if they speak, you do not speak. And if they say something that's different from your opinion, you do not express your opinion. And so I felt that, I, I mean, I would go to dinner parties and come, come back with neck ache and shoulder ache from the amount of bowing I was doing, right? And I used to hate it. So I used to fight against this. But now, many years later, I have discovered that indeed, politeness or manners are the root of, let's put it this way, it's, <laughs> it's like the oil in a machine. If you don't oil your machine, Eventually, it starts creaking around, and the creak may cause cracks, and the cracks may cause uh, gears and cogs to get stuck somewhere and crack further, and eventually, eventually, it may happen that the whole machine breaks down because of not oiling, okay?
1: Well, for me, um, I think of it more as a symptom and a side effect rather than the cause, because, because it's why they decide not to put in the effort to be courteous to each other. Why they're not putting in the effort to say thank you or why they're not putting in the effort to hold back an insult. And that why, that to me is the root. Because if you can't even be bothered to redress a classmate by their name or to say something nice about them or to compliment them when they did something well or to comfort them when they did something poorly, right? then. That is not necessarily because they didn't learn matters. I think most kids are fully aware of how to be nice. They just choose not to. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's much more of a why.
0: Well, um, it will start in the the, the household, I would say. In the family, if the parents scream at each other on a daily basis, many married couples who have been married for a long time, they don't talk normally to each other. They scream at each other, okay? Mm -hmm. And if, for example, you're passing by a door and I want that door closed, Instead of saying, hi, honey, please, could you close that door? Thank you. You are more likely to say, close that door! Something like that, right? <clears throat> yes. Didn't you see it open? I mean, can't you feel the, 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 the draft? Oh, you know, whatever, whatever.
1: Yeah, this is an issue for f- people who are familiar with each other. They, they start getting a lot more...
0: They let down. They let down yeah. that, that. And yeah, because this... of that, the children learn that behavior. So when the children talk to each other and sometimes to their parents... And of course, the parents allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another thing I want to talk about, too. The, the, the respect between generations. The, the, the children are, should not be allowed to speak with that tone of voice to the parents. They may argue whatever they want as long as they have a good tone.
1: <clears throat> okay. The thing so, is, you will yeah. find a lot of people disagreeing with that nowadays. Um, a lot of parents I deal with will say, no, my child should have the freedom to say what they want. They should be, have the freedom of expression. What you're saying is a representation of older generations being too strict on their children.
0: Yeah, maybe I'm reflecting what I just criticized, like the in in, in the Chinese, or at least the traditional Chinese culture. Uh, if an older person expresses an opinion, you are not even allowed to express your opinion. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you are allowed, but as long as you do it in a polite manner.
1: Right. Yeah. The way I always see it is that even if you don't agree on an ethical slash um, traditional level, you have to at least agree that this little person who is not yet able to fend or you know finance themselves <laughs> is currently leeching all those resources off of this person, their parent, <laughs> whether or not you believe there's a <clears throat> moral authority or moral uh, responsibility, that person, that child still owes money to this parent. And therefore, you don't talk to your landlord and tell them what to do. You don't bark at them and insult them and f- then expect them to house and feed you. Right, so, exactly. At the very least, if you're going exactly. to go down to that level, uh, but you that, can always argue. But I mean, again, you it shouldn't had, have to, but...
0: Yeah, and many parents bring up this point in anger, in, the, yes. in a fit of anger, which... Which results in the child saying, "Then I'm getting out of this house."
1: Indeed. Yeah. Uh, Usually, by the time they're in the, about to be emancipated, yeah, those children will figure. Well, some sometimes
0: way- younger, which is why there are so many uh, delinquents and homeless kids ro- ro- roaming the streets because they decide, well, I don't want to take this anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so going back to PAYD, um, it it actually started in a very strange way because um, I, I, I and another friend, uh, we. Um, we decided to uh, launch a series of seminars for mothers in a girls' school back in uh, Saudi Arabia. Um, because that school had um, after-school seminars for, for mothers and uh, about any topic. So we proposed ours and we went there. It went down really well, except that once it was over, it was over. We could not see <clears throat> the result or the effect of our seminars, mm. a series of seminars. And I was then interviewed on the television about, uh, about this topic and I mentioned it. And after I mentioned it, because by then my, my, my thoughts came together and I realized that it wasn't the mothers we were supposed to address. It was the students. And so the thought came into my head that it should be a course in high school. And like I said, I proposed in my headmistress, got nowhere with that. But many years later, when I was here uh, in, in America, I then um, was principal of a school, and now that I was a principal, I could make the decision. So I made the decision that I wanted to uh, implement what I had thought about, and so in my head, this course was aimed at high schoolers, uh, maybe starting from ninth grade, okay, tenth grade. Um, and in the beginning, it was as simple as teaching in interpersonal in relationships, so that they would have a successful marriage, okay. Because like I said, my interest stemmed from the fact that so many people I knew um, had marital problems, often ending divorce, not because of extramarital relationships as much as um, inability to build a healthy relationship between the two persons, okay?
1: Well, I just want to specify, because the first time you presented this to me, it sounded like it was just a purely work marriage workshop, which technically it is. But it doesn't feel like that. When you walk into the, any of those classes, when you take yeah, up those lessons, yeah. it's actually a lesson about how do you say thank you? It's a lesson of, well, if this person is angry, what do you do? And if this, what's a real friend? This is the kind of stuff that you're talking about because it's about relationships. Exactly. Not specifically, is this girl pretty? Or do they, do they know how to behave like a husband or a wife? That is very little no, to do with no. that kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: So the thing is that um, the, uh, when I started the class, it was just for uh, combined ninth and tenth grade. <clears throat> and uh, it was not successful. What I mean by that is uh, it did not bring the results I was expecting, simply because, and I could see the reason why, they did not understand relationships, period. They could not even get along with their siblings, their parents. How do I expect them to get along with a future spouse that doesn't exist yet? I mean, and that relationship. So I decided to, uh, to start the course earlier, 7th and 8th grade. And I realized that they did not even get along with themselves or their God or their whatever they are supposed to get. So I eventually trickled down all the way to preschool (laughs) because the problem starts much, much earlier. And that's as far down as I could go since I can only control whatever the, the, the age group is in the school. I cannot control at home. Yet it really starts at home from the minute you're born. Right? how you behave with the child, how the child then responds and imitates you, and so on and so forth. But let's start with the preschooler. So eventually from preschool to kindergarten, it was more about getting to know their own emotions, getting to know uh, that other people have different emotions, and uh, understanding the, the social jungle. Um, for example, um, you Little kids do that They go to school He's got a pretty new eraser And I wish I could have it So I grab it Right <laughs> So the other kid gets angry The two start quarreling. They pull at each other And so on So um, A Understanding that the emotion You felt was jealousy Or envy mm-hmm. And right. then you teach them How do you deal with that yep. Is it normal to feel that Yes it's normal to feel that What is not normal Is what you did after You felt it Right
1: <clears throat> To be fair mm-hmm. It's actually quite normal To go and grab <laughs> Like you'd
0: <say. laughs> Yeah, because because you were never taught to do anything else.
1: Well, but this is the thing, right? And the lesson is supposed to be that. And not to to derail you too much, but um, I had sort of branched off of that years later. And so what you're going to tell them in in a bit later in this episode, because of my experience, I had used more of a... I don't know if you would call it a naturalistic system, but I gave them natural consequences of this is what's going to happen. And I warned them ahead of time. These are things that are going to happen if you don't do A or B. Mm-hmm. And I say these and start wondering, well, is that even true? You know, Maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe I'm stuck in my own world with my own culture, and I think this will happen. For example, if you're rude to this person, sometime later in this week, they will refuse to work with you and both your grades will drop. I would make claims like this, thinking – Yeah, but that's a bit of a stretch. Maybe the kids won't do it, but because of the way I left it, everything is not ham-fisted, it's not directly controlled or microed by me. It is just whatever happens and the grades will show up as they do. It's nothing to do with whether I felt like it or not, it's just whether or not they got the grades done. It turns out a lot of what you're saying here turns to be true. When these kids sit there and they can't learn how to share and they don't know how to properly talk to each other about that, And you start going well here's your natural consequences these are what we betrayed as common wisdoms you know common sense even just like well yeah this is how you're supposed to behave Mm -hmm. right if you leave it long enough just like the archie bunker naturally speaking without me doing anything else other than setting up this is the good group bad group and the middle group Mm -hmm. the people adults included i did this with a bunch of teachers and the bad teachers also sat there and just gave up literally 90% of them gave up sitting there going well why should we do this and in fact they started yelling at me going uh-huh yeah we know what you're doing going well then if you know what I'm doing
0: then what is your response <laughs>
1: what do you think the point of this exercise is I literally asked them this and they just stared at me going well I don't know but I'm not gonna do it I'm going oh okay <laughs> well you're falling straight into the cycle so when I pointed this out they just scowled then I'm like okay well I mean that's the problem that's literally I, the problem These are Thank
0: you But because uh, This is something I discovered It is easier to teach children Than to teach adults Oh yeah Whenever I run A professional development session I have such a problem In the beginning Either probably problem Keeping them in their seat And then I would say to them You complain about your students Not staying the full period Which is like 50 minutes In their seat Yet you cannot sit Half as long In your seat Yeah Right And you cannot st- uh, Anyway Let's, let's go back to the topic. I, I'm just uh, well, always drifting away so easily. Yeah, okay.
1: but I mean, adults won't listen to you for two reasons. One, they don't think of you as an so so authority figure as kids do. They think you know much less, you know, in terms of how much more you would know to them mm-hmm. Second, they're pretty stuck in their viewpoints. At that point, the growth mindset, as it's being referred to, is pretty much locked in. There's, there's not much changing at that point, but yeah, going back to what, when you were launching Payd and you were noticing kids in kindergarten,
0: right? So um, after kindergarten, and we move on to the early, uh, or rather, the, the what is taught in kindergarten. It's, it actually goes, goes on to first, second grade because it's around the same age group. Then from second, third, fourth grade, or the middle elementary grades, um, I come into the the rules of social relationships. You know, so I teach them how to be. Um, formally teach them because you you informally teach already before that uh, respectful and obedient to parents. Um, to uh, how do they should they react with siblings? What is uh, w- what does friendship mean? I'll give a very simple one of my very first uh, uh, classes with uh, a fourth grade was I told them all right. So can you arrange yourselves in teams? Whoever is your best friend in this class. Um, I mean, of course, some people will, you know, uh, overlap and so on. But so then I, I put together the rest of them. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be teams of two and you are best friends with each other. And here's a poster, uh, well, sort of rather large um, piece of uh, uh, cardstock. And I want you guys to decorate and uh, draw on this poster what friendship means to you. And then whenever you're ready, I and mean, you've got five minutes to do this, whenever you're ready, come up here and present. So the first group to come up was uh, were two little girls that everybody knew were very buddy buddy with each other best very best friends and the, uh, two little girls they came up and their poster was full of flowers and butterflies and hearts you know and then they came up and said I said all right define friendship what is a friend they said, oh, a friend is when you, uh, so they would go through how you love them, how, and then said, a friend is, whether she is right or whether she is wrong, you always support her. And I said, wait a minute here. Okay. Ding. My bell just go for, and the rest of the class was about this to- topic, and we did, <laughs> the rest of them didn't get to present. Okay. So I said, whether you are right or whether you are wrong, is that what you just said? Okay. If you're right, of course you should uh, you should uh, you know uh, support your friend. But if your friend is wrong or did something wrong, if you do, you still think you're a friend if you support them. I said, of course, why not? So I came up with my story, <laughs> my gruesome Chinese story. And recently, I I told it uh, to some other Chinese people. I said I don't know if it's, a, if it's a true story because my dad used to tell me a lot of stories that he said were true, but I don't even know whether that's true. And when I told him, oh, yeah, it is a well-known Chinese story. I said, okay, so it is a well-known Chinese story. So so sometime in history, there was this person who became an extremely evil, bad, uh, robber, gangster, you name it, and committed all kinds of crimes all over the the empire. And then finally, he was caught and sentenced to death. And uh, they told him, all right, your execution is before you, we execute you. Which was usually uh, chopping off the head. Um, You are allowed one last wish. Okay. And normally it would be like a good meal or something. So he said, no, my last wish would be I want to see my old mother again. One last wish. You should
1: censor this part.
0: (laughs) All right. uh, But anyway, so I would assume that I assume only educators and parents are listening to this. It's not a No, look, it is. It is a real historical story. Okay. Okay, it's
1: just crude. It's, <laughs> it's okay. Just so, I told weird... you, it's
0: a Chinese story, we are gory. We are traumatized gory. by <laughs> this story as a kid. We are gory. So, um, so uh, they went all over. Uh, they went to the province, so the little village that he came from, found the old mother, and brought her over. She came tottering to the execution execution site and well, everybody's standing there waiting for this to happen so we, we can go, go ahead with the execution, right? So she runs, my son, my son, oh, my son. And see, she cries and says, oh, mother, before I die, could I for one last time have some of your breast milk? Of course, the poor old woman with her, you know. This is what traumatized me. <laughs> she doesn't even have proper breasts anymore, right? They're hanging there all empty, but she... God, you don't have
1: to describe it. <laughs>
0: No, so she pulls it out. She pulls one out, and in okay, front of well, this I think, crowd, I think okay,
1: this without details. What?
0: No. What I'm trying to say is, this is how much she loves her son, and she spoils him. Yes, but you're. She spoils to him rotten.
1: about exactly what she's doing. All right. So how it's hanging there. Okay.
0: <laughs> so the son grabs it and angrily bites off the nipple. And she cries out in pain, and she has blood spurting. Okay, that's... And see, she sa- he I'm says, it's all your fault that today I'm standing here. Today I'm standing here to be executed and had my head chopped off because of you. So the point is this. I don't this-
1: think the details were required to give the point that she spoiled him and that he blamed her.
0: Yeah, so the whole point is this. If you let a child get away with the smallest infraction, let's say today he lies, okay? And you say, that's fine, no problem, you know. Then tomorrow, he'll maybe uh, take something from the supermarket and nobody notices, ah, no big deal. And then four deal. years
1: on the line, he'll bite your nipple off and blood will spurt everywhere. No,
0: no, no. <laughs> so what I'm saying is when he is allowed to get away with small things, it goes to a medium size, and medium size goes to a larger size, and by the time he's an adult, he thinks it's okay to break the law because the law at home could be broken at any time and there was no consequence. So he continues, and if he finds himself smart, so-called smart, enough to get away with consequences at first, it just grows and grows and grows until finally the largest consequence occurs and he might be caught, put to death, or whatever it is. So... um,
1: A good friend wouldn't let that happen.
0: Right. So if you're a good friend and you noticed her lying or stealing somebody else's stuff, it could be just a piece of paper or a pencil, which may be nothing if you are very rich. Uh, But that is an infraction nonetheless.
1: See, the interesting thing is I brought this discussion up, whether a good friend or not should lie for you or cheat for you Mm -hmm. or defend you when you've committed something horrible, right? Mm -hmm. I discussed this with tenth graders, and their answer is the same: No, loyalty supersedes all other traits of a friend. A friend should above all else be loyal to you. They never snitch, they never betray you. anything you do they're going to be with you That's yeah, in fourth
0: grade they study like that, and of course, by the time you go to high school and college that's exactly. what they think
1: Well, the thing is, I just want to make sure to point that out because a lot of people might be under the impression that, oh no, you know a, a fourth grader does that, but here's the thing as. You know, I've seen, 10th graders do, and as you pointed out, they will continue that until what? Until we have political parties that will sit there and blindly defend each other, even though the truth is staring them in the face. And a lot of them see it, and a lot of them will recognize the very facts. They'll admit it, but then say, no, but because he's on my team, I have to defend him now.
0: Exactly.
1: They literally exactly. straight up say these things, which yeah. at that point, this is where I have the discussion. At 10th grade, you can have this kind of discussion where I feel like at that point, if nothing else... They have a better worldview, a better system to understand. And this is why I argue all the time. I tell them um, I into- I'm highly intolerant of cheating of any sort because if you cheat to me, you just cheated for what? A measly 100 points? A measly 10 points in a high school class that you will never think about again once you graduated? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So what did you betray in the process? What did you sell in order to get those 10 or 100 points?
0: You sold sold... a piece of yourself, of your character, of your honor. You you, you
1: can exaggerate it any way you want. It's a Mm -hmm. part of your soul. You betrayed your conscience. You betrayed Mm -hmm. your morals. You betrayed your your God. Whatever way you want to describe it, you have destroyed something that is far more important to you or should be more important to you, your moral code. And so your friend whom you believe is on the same moral code as you, they openly admit, and I usually set them up for this. I'll tell them, do you believe this? Do you believe this? They're like, yes. Do you believe in the honor code? Yes. Do you believe people should be truthful? Yes. Do you believe blah, blah, blah? And they're like, well, you know, there's some instances, okay. So you're saying there are maybe, maybe. But if you have a friend that sits there and does something, not a good decision, like break some rules or you know lie and gossip behind their back or whatever, and that's another problem, you start bringing up terms like gossip or envy or things like that, and a lot of these kids don't see the problem with it. They don't understand that gossip, in its very nature, is very, very damaging. Right. But I think nowadays, because nobody brings up that term and treats it like some sort of cancer, mm-hmm. some sort of psychological mm-hmm. cancer that you have to stay away from, mm-hmm. some contagion. No, every kid was like Mr. Keith, Mr. Q. Would you like to hear the latest tea? Which is there? It's like a cup of tea. I don't know where this t- this new term came from, but mm-hmm. it's an internet thing now. Where they'll go, you want to do you want to he- spill tea, and they just mean you know, do oh, you want to hear the latest gossip. news or gossip? Yeah. And I go, mm-hmm. no, it's terrible. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be sitting there wondering about the, the woes of somebody else and you know reveling in. it. They're like, but it's so fun. I'm like, yes, this is. Very normal human behavior to revel in the woes and you know pain Which of others. Which co- is going
0: back to what we were talking <clears throat> last time. You have a group of people laughing at somebody in the school, and everybody else is just watching, right? Because they are reveling in the in the scene. I mean, it's like watching a movie. It's right. fun. You don't think that you should be intervening, right? Right,
1: but you. This is the why the the very um, how would you call it. Um, Purposeful teaching of and pointing out of these these things is extremely important because God knows apparently nobody talks about this anymore. Mm-hmm. Because when I bring it up, even in 10th grade in an American high school, these kids will just stare blankly at me going, What are you talking about? And I'll point out, Okay, you all have BFFs now, best friends forever. And I said, The very word best means there's one, there should only be one. Best implies there's a singular of mm-hmm. these things. So when you say, I have five best friends. That confuses me, and they're going no. It should well, be five
0: better friends. <laughs> better friends
1: or my BFFs? I have four BFFs right now, and oh, I might lose one next week. And well, they're not, they're not really your best friend then, because a good good friend is somebody that knows you so well. It shouldn't be somebody that just because you sit at the same lunch.
0: Plus, the word forever again is set is a setup for for failure.
1: True, but. We're just going to assume regular colloquial exaggeration mm-hmm, of like, mm-hmm. we're going to be friends for a million years. Well, no, nobody lives to a million years. But again, this con- kind of conversation is extremely important. And you're saying you're starting it all the way from fourth grade. What is right. it like when you, when you were, what was the curriculum like when you brought it up to like fifth or sixth grade?
0: Okay, so by, by, fifth, uh, by fifth or sixth, I mean, that includes also um, not just with friends, but with siblings, with parents. And maybe you can see here left uh, the influence of Chinese culture again because we ex- we are extremely extremely respectful of parents and loyalty to parents come next to loyalty to, to the country or the whatever we Disclaimer: you in.
1: We're not saying only Chinese culture does this. It's just that that's a very strong perspective and, and you know, cultural influence. I know. For yeah, us.
0: and true. Many other cultures I've, I've come into they also have a very strong uh, respect uh, of parents. So. Um, and unfortunately, even people from from cultures where uh, respect of parents is strong, they come to to this country. And uh, I'm not blaming the country; I'm just blaming the the times.
1: It's but, more of an industrialization because even in China, mm-hmm. there's a lot of um, disrespect going around now. In Japan, exactly. same oh. thing. Oh, it's don't just, talk I about think...
0: China because when my, <clears throat> my 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 first daughter went to China for her exchange for her year uh, in um, in China, her first report back to us was, by the way, mom and grandma, um, everything you taught me about politeness and manners and respect in China, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> you only talk about it, I see it at home, but I don't. So like, uh, this is another favorite topic of mine, what I call the, the frozen in time, a, a little uh, piece. You will find that people who, uh, who leave a country in a, at a certain point in time, that's what they remember of their country. Yes. Okay, so wherever they go, they believe that that's what my country is like. 20 years later, 40 years, or 50 years later, your children, grandchildren go to that country and don't see any of it, <coughs> And they'll be wondering what you were talking about,
1: right? China's different, though. China is a unique situation in that literally when my grandparents left the country... It was because the Red Army was taking over and had a literal cultural revolution where they burned books, libraries, and you know, yeah, literally so tried to destroy. The previous, it. They uh, literally previous, they made active culture, yeah. efforts to destroy the history and mannerisms and and, te- and, and and etiquette and everything. They tried to they actually tried to destroy it. So, so that explains yeah. why generations later so they don't all. when I went to with.
0: visit my daughter in China, <clears throat> they would the, the the relatives and friends would be telling me your daughter is so polite. She's such a nice person, Nikki. Yeah. I mean, generally, I teach my kids to be polite, but nobody ever comes back to me. Oh my God, she's so polite. You know, it's simply because over there, politeness has been lost. So, which brings us back to politeness, right? So, anyway. Sorry. Um, I'm just, you yeah, moving up, you on to free, the, seven and eight. Yeah. I do
1: want to interject because I thought this was a funny story. Um, you brought up the Frozen in Time one. Um, I was talking to somebody at a graduation at college mm-hmm. and um this is when i was a student and the guy was telling me how he comes from lithuanian family and when lithuania was also um under communist rule mm-hmm. his family had fled mm-hmm. and so there's this huge community he tells me i forget if it's in florida or like north carolina or somewhere mm-hmm. but he goes every year and he showed me a picture on his phone he immediately pulled it up and I'm like well i just came back from one they had a huge national holiday of the independence of their country, I forget what it is, but it was like the the birth of their country or whatever, mm-hmm. and they would show up. They would all do traditional dances, eat traditional foods. Everyone would sing, and all the youth are pulled in and you know made to dance and made to you know mm-hmm. you have to upkeep the the his, the, 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 the 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 traditions because yeah. our country is lost and blah blah blah. And he says, so it's interesting now when he goes back to actual actual Lithuania and go, people go, what? We don't we don't really do that. I mean, sure. <laughs> Sure, we still respect that stuff, but no, we don't really need to do it. I mean, you could. But it became uh-huh. a, a literal like, a requirement for the American Lithuanians to like, no, if you don't attend, you're not one of us anymore. <laughs> That's what he was telling me. Uh-huh. So it, it, a, another interesting one. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's not, not going against the point you said. I just, I just thought China had a very specific one. But yeah, going back to...
0: Right. Um, so the, the way I teach, for example, how to be respectful to parents... So I explained to them that your parents, um, they don't have the duty. They have the duty to feed you, clothes, and so on, but they don't have the duty to be your your servant. By the time you're old enough to make your own breakfast, they don't have the duty to make your breakfast. Because I know uh, when I was young, I had some classmates and I, w- I was shocked when I heard about it, that their parents were always busy and she was in charge of making breakfast for all her siblings and doing their lunch boxes and all these things. And I was thinking, oh my God, and mine is always ready. My mom gets it, gets it done, right? So... I tell them, do you ever thank your parents if they serve you lunch or or breakfast or dinner? And they look at me like I'm coming from the moon, right? I said, they don't have the duty to do that. They do it out of love for you. So you should thank them. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, and what if they made your bed and you didn't make your own bed? What if they, you know, uh, cleaned your room and you didn't clean your own room? And so on and so forth. So I I would give them, uh, this is very simple, but uh, so I gave them uh, each one uh, a paper that has 100 boxes on it, and in each, uh, each box, the parents are supposed to sign. And of course, I send home a letter telling the parents, please do not cheat on this one, because this is supposed to be a learning experience for a child. Okay? So every time he says to you, thank you, or please, <coughs> for any of the things that you do for him, you are supposed to sign in there, or initial, the box. And I tell them, this month, your grade will be based on this piece of paper. Because a month is about respect to parents, okay? And so, if you have 100 boxes initialed, you get 100%. You have only two initial, you get 2%, all right? And okay. so on and so forth. And the, the idea is that after doing this for a month, usually children will upkeep it, maybe not fully, but at least partially. Okay, so you've, just now you've taught something. Like I said, it bleeds into the family. The parents will enjoy it so much. They will try to keep it up. They will try, hey, you didn't say thank you and so on and so forth, right? And when shall say thank you, they will always say, oh, you're welcome, and give them a hug or something. They're so pleased with it, right? That instead <clears throat> of taking everything for granted, I hate this breakfast, or something like that, they'll say, oh, thank you, mom, for doing the breakfast. You know. So anyway, so then we we'll move on to seven grade, where I think the idea is really self-identity. Around this age, children are looking for who they are, especially in the schools I was in, where we have a lot of second-generation immigrants. Um, they are torn torn between the culture at home and the culture in school, which is you know the normal quote unquote normal uh, american culture well
1: it 's their societal norm so yes right it is normal for and
0: them. whatever the the, the, the <clears throat> norm at home is, which is because we have so many cultures in the school you don 't it 's hard to to pinpoint that any particular culture right so um well, and what what uh, served me well is, of course, my background in psychiatry. So I would teach them, for example, first let's uh, let's do a personality test. Then, okay, let's do a Rorschach test, and let's do a blah blah. Oh my god, they were so involved. So any time I
1: think, any time you tell people we can help <clears throat> help you figure out your identity, they're all over it.
0: Because it's one thing that most children are not comfortable with themselves. They do not know who they are, okay? So this, uh, this goes on really, really well. And then from there, we go on to anger management because many young uh, teens are mostly angry. Well, it, to the extent that we call it angst nowadays because they're angry about everything, right? Mm-hmm. And so we talk about how is anger expressed? How is anger felt? How do you know you're angry? Because sometimes you're angry, don't you realize? You start screaming at somebody when in the middle of a conversation because it triggered something in the conversation just triggered a point that's buried deep inside you, right? Some point of resentment, and may not ha- have anything to do with the person who was saying it, and so on and so forth. So we talk about what 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 is anger? Uh, uh, <coughs> that it's a, it's really a manifestation of different things. Could be of some deeply buried uh, resentment, but it could be simply of the fact that you're tired or you're hungry or you're uh, you know stressed out and you have to recognize at this point what is your body feeling or what is your mind feeling and how it could be for example um, <clears throat> let's say you, you're trying to uh, put together a piece of IKEA furniture <laughs> and somehow it's not fitting okay mm-hmm. so you're frustrated. People express frustration in different ways. Some people just scream. Some people just sigh and give up. Some people start banging at the furniture and breaking it. Okay? So this is actually a very good way of seeing how people express their own frustration and anger and stress. And uh, so then we talk about, well, once you recognize it, um, what do you do as a person who is angry? What do you do about it? Okay? And then we talk about how it affects the people around you. Some people, when they're upset with one person, take it down, start screaming because they feel, I'm angry, I have the right to scream. Yet by screaming, they actually hurt everyone around them. You know, you go there, okay, can I help, what's wrong? You just get out of here, you know. I have to say, What have I done, right? Mm-hmm. I was trying to help. So then years later, the same person is crying and telling me, that's many, many years, decades later. I just feel so lonely. I'm so alone. And now that I'm deeply in need of help in this situation, no one comes to my help. So I told her, I said, do you not know why? Truly you don't know why? Every time people call you, including myself, the kind of uh, reaction I get is, and I would imitate stuff, she said. And then she would say, oh. I said, now do you think anybody wants to call again or help again or ask again? Nobody wants to because that's the kind of... uh, reaction we get yeah right so why would we and i think that finally that person saw light because then she has been calling me quite regularly since then and always trying to be nice and polite and friendly so sometimes it takes a real disaster a personal disaster to see how your your own your own behavior led to it you know so, we, see,
1: we we see, I think all these stories are super interesting But I, we are running out of time for this episode And we did oh, promise yes. to explain the oh merit God. system so, so, Alright, so, so let's go really, really fast Why not we talk really about class. your implement, Im, Im, um, right. implementation okay. of a point system That actually enforced whatever you were teaching in class
0: Right, so very quickly So <coughs> after seven and 8th, 9th, 10th as preparation to marriage I think 11th, 12th is too late Because many kids are already in relationships, right So 10th and, 9th and 10th is when I come and talk about uh marriage how and i i okay that I w- maybe we should finish this some other uh point at in some f- further episode about what i could teach in there and then i move on to parenting and move on to work yeah, ethics i also and want so to so so just forth. put
1: another disclaimer in once again it's not a literal marriage counseling thing where boys and girls are getting in and talking about their relationships it's much maybe we more should about...
0: have an episode about that separately <clears throat> yeah so,
1: yeah because this is the thing you tend to sit there and use these large terms that will offend so many people, but it's not actually offensive once you get into the nitty-gritty. I think you should probably call it something else, like intimate relationship coaching or something, and, or like
0: no, uh, no, no. close that, relationship. Uh,
1: I know it's yeah. for marriage. It technically is, right, but the right, title right, will, right. Okay, will, will right. just put so many people off.
0: Again, So maybe we'll keep this for next time, but the, the marriage system is as follows. So um, many schools if you look at them, they only have a system for uh, uh, what they call a discipline system, meaning um, how to punish you, really. We, we don't use the term punishment anymore. It's consequence, it's discipline, but pretty much punishment. So you do something wrong, you're being punished for it. And it, other than the system of points or, or, or warnings, then you go into a, a detention and suspension. And pretty much that's it. Okay. Um, if you look at the, the, the judicial system today, it's pretty much the same thing. Okay, so we're mm-hmm. trying to, so detention would be like incarceration, right? And suspension would be like, you're put to death or something. <laughs> we don't exile people from countries anymore. We put them to death or put them in prison forever, right?
1: Well, America so, hardly puts anyone to death anymore, but yeah.
0: Yeah, so pretty much that's, that's the idea. Um, then, is there a system in uh. place to, uh, to reward good deeds? And that's why we see good deeds going down the the drain So people who are highly religious Know that there is system for them In the hereafter So they will go ahead and do good deeds Yeah but those are
1: far and few in between How many religious people actually use that As an actual incentive Very few They forget that so easily Like I'm
0: saying Yeah there are little pockets of people But that's about it Now In some schools They do have something like Oh um, we have this that And we reward you for But it's, it's a separate system. In other words, the discipline system is, is a system and the, and the reward system is a separate one. Like, oh, we're gonna implement character education, we're gonna implement SEL, and we're gonna uh, reward, but-
1: There's a, there's a, there's a few schools it, in my district which gives out their school name, like Castile Bucks. So uh, if you did something well, you get this money, this fake currency that then you can go to the store and purchase yourself a nice snack. So it's a separate system, it has nothing to do with discipline.
0: Exactly. So <clears throat> the problem is that the good deeds and the bad deeds are not tied together. So the, the merit system is simply merit-demerit. In other words, you have one point of merit, one merit point takes away one demerit point. It's like a plus-minus system. And they learn good algebra, <laughs> good uh, pre-algebra and, uh, if you use the system. They, get, they, they learn it so fast, okay? So um, if you do, the, 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 the biggest problem actually was for the teachers, not the students. The teachers did not know what would constitute a demerit or a merit. Mm-hmm. A demerit, oh, easily. Uh, you <laughs> you interrupt people in class. You you cuss, You this that. You uh, and I had to stop them at homework because academic work should have nothing to do with behavior. Behavior, work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So behavior is one thing, and uh, our character is one thing, and and then academics uh, is totally separate. You have your point. You have your grades. You have your scores. You have your system. That is that. And if they bring a homework early or late, it has nothing to do with this system. So this system is solely for behavior. Now, if a child often gets into detention, everyone in school has an invisible label on his head saying the detention child,
1: yep, right? The trouble kid. The, the
0: trouble kid. This that this. Or that. a
1: hero for some kids.
0: Right? <laughs> exactly. And it gets to the point where a child say, yeah, I love detention. Of course, they're saying that just to look like a hero instead of looking like a, like, like a toad, right?
1: All right. Every, everybody yeah. does that.
0: So now, the thing is, if they knew, well, I've got five demerits, and they knew that by getting five merits, they get rid of that, and they're back to zero, now it gives them some hope. And instead of behaving worse and worse and worse, because, yeah, and I... I'm known as as, as a detention kid, anyway, the trouble kid, so I might just as well, right? Um, But the the problem was that teachers were, they were not able to recognize, so we had to develop a chart that they could refer to. What constitutes one merit? What constitutes two merits? Five, 10, 15, 20? What would be equivalent to that? And so that was a job for the teachers because they were so... uh, they were so trained on looking out for bad behavior, they did not look out for good behavior. Yep.
1: So that this is where the cultural change happened because you were trying to get both students, teachers and parents to start focusing on the actual aspects of life, the good things and the bad things, not just focus on the bad things where you corral kids into behavior. You actually then encourage them. This is sticking the carrot. Most systems are missing the carrot. They have this they have the the this is a generational thing too, because older generations believed in punishment, very little rewards, mm-hmm. and then newer generations come in and give only rewards and forget about the punishment side, which then you have an imbalance. Right. Any anybody, and I I, 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 this is a problem I have too, but it has been used multiple times, and um, <clears throat> the idea is that basic child psychology or human psychology can be understood the same way you would train an animal, mm-hmm. right? If you're tra- the, so the, the, the they, yeah. The, um, Because Pavlov's dog is used oftentimes in psychology Uh as how you introduce to the term conditioning, where you teach somebody a stimulus had nothing to do with, say, Mm -hmm. drooling, but then you train them to associate those things together. Mm -hmm. Similarly, if a dog was only ever punished, it becomes a mean dog. It right. doesn't become friendly. If you want right. a friendly dog, you give it rewards, treats. You. It's much more effective to do it that mm-hmm. way. So it, it sounds like I'm likening children to dogs,
0: <laughs> but which it's is same, terrible. But it's the same um, idea. It's the same idea. And you'd be surprised. For I often give uh, this example. So the first school where I decided to implement this, this system, uh, it was the second semester, um, which is a bad time to start. I know it should be the beginning of the school year. But... Um, but, you know, to me, it doesn't matter what time of the year it is. If you have a good system, implement it. So I told the teachers, this is what we're going to do this semester. And let's do this, that, this, that, whatever. And immediately, of course, as you know, any manager knows, new, totally new things uh, change. It's usually welcomed by what? A lot of
1: groans. Groans side, and, uh, and
0: all, the, the, all, all the reasons why it will fail.
1: <clears throat> yep.
0: And so I was told... This is wrong because you're teaching them to do good deeds for the sake of points. Okay?
1: You're very good. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. And
0: it, it shouldn't be that. It shouldn't be that. They should do it for the sake of the good deed itself. And I said, I tell them, look, there's a potty training system. There's an accurate book that I read um, where every time he manages to deposit his pee or poop in the potty, you give him a candy. And I said, but let me ask which adult goes to the bathroom for the sake of getting candy? All right, so this is a training system, but once it works, it works. And again, they didn't believe me, but being the principal, no, you're going to do it. All right, so uh, by the end of the year, uh, actually, we were getting ready for preparing the, the, the report cards. So I told all the teachers to turn in their points. And the last week, we were not going to give points anymore, whether merit or demerit, because we just had to prepare our, our report cards. So I'm running to the class, carrying books and bags and so on and so forth. And one student runs after me and said, Dr. Fosia, let me carry it for you. I said, oh, that's so kind of you. And then I say, oh, by the way, we are not doing points anymore this week because of the last week, so just letting you know that. And she looked so offended, so was almost in tears. I said, Dr. Fosia, I'm not doing this for merits. I'm doing this because I want to help you. And I could have hugged that kid right there and then. I could have. Because I was thinking, here you are. You are the living proof that my system works.
1: That wasn't the only one, though. I remember when that system was first implemented, you were telling me there were teachers who came in surprised that oh, troublesome that kids. yeah that they would sit there and go, oh my god, these kids just suddenly saw me drop something and went and picked it up and said, here you go, miss, and things like that. And they would not have done that before. Mm-hmm. And because of the implementation of the system, there are these trained behavior that they felt like, yes, I get rewarded. And then set in as a psychological, almost like an inner voice. You should do that. And they start doing it. And quite frankly, when I implement similar systems on a small scale in just a classroom, you start seeing behavior like kids sitting there and encouraging each other, hey, do you need help on your homework assignment? Or good job, pat each other yeah, on the back. Yeah,
0: and the students start looking <laughs> out for opportunities to be nice. Yeah. I, I would have students walking, for example, to the bathroom, and you have uh, new visitors coming into the school, so they see the visitors, go up to them, uh, may I help you? Are you looking for the administration? Blah, blah, blah. And, and the, the, the new people coming to the school, wow, are you a student here? Like, wow. and. But this can be trained. Like I'm saying, it's a trainable thing. All right, I think we're coming up to our hour. And maybe, um, maybe we can-
1: This will have to be a part three because there's so much more on the actual consequences of creating a system like that. Mm -hmm. Because if we're going to discuss um, school emulating society, then it's very, very useful to talk about some of those details and examples, I Mm -hmm. think. Because this is where I think it legitimizes a lot of the thoughts and processes. Because- you have for years now been implementing a system that in theory sounds great, but in practice, was it really? And similarly on my side, and this is where I would follow up with your stories, which is that I use you a much more you know, consequential and naturalistic system. This is what will happen. I'm not going to – and I sit there glowing and basking in my own you know authority and my own wisdom now because the kids will go, oh my god, it really happened the way you said it. I'm going, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm sitting here sweating bullets because I'm thinking, like, will it actually? Because I'm not sure it will. And then it turns out to be exactly the way you hear about it in stories, exactly the way you hear about it in these wisdoms. These, uh, you know. So which, I think we uh, should we should. I, which actually reminds examples.
0: me, when you are a little kid, remember sometimes you would misbehave, right? Like you don't want to eat your food or something like that. And then I would say, well, you know, um, you shouldn't do that because you'll get punished. And uh, so you get angry, kick your feet, and throw your head back, and you didn't realize the walls behind you. You just knocked your head. Say, Ouch! You started crying and said, "See, God just punished you." <laughs> <laughs> I think that drove the lesson home more than anything. <coughs> All right. On that note, we should thank our audience for listening to uh, bearing up with us so far, and uh, see you next episode.
1: Take care. Thank you very much.
0: Okay.